Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How we doing? We good? That was, you got an hour of sleep extra. That was, are you awake right now? I, I think, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Turn to the person that was your second choice and say, wake up. All right, I'm going to start over. How are we doing today? We good? Hey, man, I'm glad to be back here on the stage. We've been doing something a little different the last four weeks, and hopefully you were able to join us for our At The Movies series. And so I was preaching every week, uh, but I was doing it via video, and uh, we were using some of Hollywood's you know, best movies to really share the greatest story ever told, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just wanna thank you. If you call this place home, I wanna thank you for inviting your friends and family. We had a ton of new people throughout the entire month. It was probably the second largest month we've ever had in the history of our church, as far as the number of guests we've had. And so we're thankful for that, thankful for you, inviting them or allowing them to ride with you or sit with you um, or bribing them with free lunch afterwards or whatever it is that you did to get them here. But we're thankful for that. It was a great series. Every single week, people responded uh, for prayer. Uh, we had people saved every single week. My, my favorite moment of the whole series is in week two, we were doing the movie Christopher Robin, which is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and all the, you know, Eeyore and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that's not your flavor, but uh, I, was, I was standing in the back at the very end of the message. I had been kind of hanging out in our kids' area for one of those services uh, that day. And, and so I was, I was coming back in, kind of the message is wrapping up. So I'm watching myself on video. It was a little bit of an out-of-body experience. And uh, so I'm, as I'm watching the end, we're, we're talking about Tigger and Pooh and, and Christopher Robin, and we're kind of wrapping this up and pointing it all back to the gospel. And, and as we're doing that, I, I said, hey, if, if you know today that you need Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, um, I just want you to lift your hand right now. And so video, you know, the room was kind of dark like it is right now, and hands went up all over the room, and I was thinking, God, and I texted some friends of mine, and I was talking to Corey on the way home that day, and I was like, man, God can allow anything to point people to him. It was a Christopher Robin movie, kids kind of movie, but man, the gospel went forth and people's eternities were changed forever on that day. And that happened throughout the series, but that was just kind of my favorite moment as I got to witness it from the back and just see how that took place. But thank you for your participation during that month. It was a lot of fun. I don't have popcorn for you today, uh, but uh, we're having a, having a good day today already, and so we're excited about that. You know, we are in a crazy season of transition with a lot of things, and maybe you can't see it. It's kind of like synchronized swimming around here. Like, we're kicking hard under the water, and it just looks beautiful above the water, you know? So every time you gather here, hopefully it doesn't feel too chaotic, but during the week, we're working hard. We've got a lot of things happening. You heard a little bit about that with Pastor Trevor just a minute ago, but we're in the process of changing our name from Canton Church to Generations Church. We believe uh, that's always been our heart. We've actually talked about that from the very beginning that we exist because generations matter. We find that in Deuteronomy 6. This is for you, your children, and your children's children. Uh, but for us, we feel like Generations Church, that name is more than a name. It helps us as we uh, think about the future of ministry here in this present location and in future locations of our church. And so we're uh, thankful for that process. We'll continue to roll that out as we get closer to the end of the year. And then we are in the pre-construction phase uh, of looking to expand our facility, moving downstairs into the space that was previously occupied uh, by Sears. And so we're we're getting really close for you to actually begin seeing things happening, which we're excited about. Uh, and so we can't wait to be down there in our worship space, a much larger lobby, and just the, the way that we can serve you and serve families up here. We'll be able to expand our kids' ministry areas and youth ministry areas. So we're excited about that. And I want to invite you, if you haven't already done so, to consider investing in this campaign, this capacity campaign for us to really increase our capacity to, to reach and to serve more people. We're trying to raise $750,000 together, and we're really, really close to our goal. 
all between pledges and cash. And so we want you to help us uh, to be able to kind of cross over that line so we've got enough pledges to know that we're going to be able to fully fund this project. So if you have not participated, there's a card in front of you. You can go onto our website and make a pledge there. We want you to be a part of this capacity campaign. I'm really excited about where we're at today. But before I jump into today, I want to hit what Pastor Trevor said just a minute ago before I jump right in. Uh, The next three weeks are going to be really, really important um, for the life of our church and really, I think, in your life individually. Even if you kind of heard him talking about it and you tuned him out a little bit, I think the next three weeks are are kind of a God-ordained three-week a window for our church and for a lot of the people within our church. As I've been praying about what to do, I actually was going to do something completely different during the month of November, but I really feel like the Lord kind of led me back to this idea of forgiveness. I think there are some of us uh, that wrestle with the idea of truly being forgiven by God. Like we've prayed a prayer, we believe that we've been saved maybe, uh, and maybe that's not even your reality, but I believe that some of us, even after praying that prayer, are not convinced that God has fully, completely, totally forgiven us. We're gonna talk about that. Then we're also going to talk about forgiving ourselves. Like even if we were to get to the place where we believe that God has forgiven us, we can't forgive ourselves because we live with shame and regret uh, and just the fear of our past coming up into our present and robbing us of our future. So we're going to talk about that. And then he said it a little bit there, but right before we spend some time with friends and family around Turkey and football and parades and all of that, um, we're going to talk about how do you forgive someone that has hurt you? How do you forgive someone that's done you wrong? Before you go sit across the table from them and you have to bite your tongue all day long, or if you just say one little thing, man, it's going to go down. And so you're just, you know, how do I even engage that process? We're going to talk about forgiving other people. So I want you to be here all three weeks beginning next Sunday. I think it's going to be a really, really special time. So today what I want us to do is I want us to spend uh, the time that we have together talking about this really misunderstood, forgotten, or just completely ignored or, uh, ignored or avoided part of who God is. And I want us to talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and we do this on a semi-regular basis. I mean, this, the Holy Spirit is something we talk about on a, on a pretty regular basis. It weaves its way into various messages and the things that we say and the, the songs that we sing. But I want to spend some time today talking really specifically about a part of who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit interacts in our lives. But before I can get specific, I think I've got to lay the foundation for all of us to kind of have the same base of knowledge related to who the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is not. And then we're going to dive really, really deep into this one specific part about the Holy Spirit that I think will help all of us today. What we have to understand to start, and maybe you know this, maybe you're very familiar with this idea, is that the Holy Spirit is God. What we believe as we read through scripture is that the Holy Spirit is not like, you know, the third part of the the C-suite in the business, the organization of God. It's not like, you know, somebody that's kind of down the rung from CEO God. It's not just like the person that, or, or the thing or the spirit or whatever that was just kind of assigned this task after Jesus was done with his work on the earth. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God, and not only is he God, we believe that he, the Holy Spirit, is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son, and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. So those are two phrases or two terms that maybe you want to kind of write down or or remember, co-equal and co-eternal. I believe that helps us to understand a little more about who the Holy Spirit is. And so we recognize that this makes up, maybe a phrase that you've heard before, this makes up the Trinity. Now, don't get hung up on that 
that word. That word does not actually find itself in Scripture. It was something that was kind of brought to the discussion after Scripture had been canonized. But the Trinity is a picture for us to recognize the role and the various ways that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist and interact in our lives. And so as we think about that, I want you to recognize that what we believe as we read Scripture, as I read Scripture, and what we believe here as a church is that even though there are three co-equal, co-eternal parts of God, it is not, as the math that you may have learned in school, it's not one-third, one-third, one-third. It's one whole, one whole, one whole, making up one whole. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are co-equal, co-eternal beings, a part of the Trinity. This, this three parts of wholeness of God. And here's the other thing that you need to know about what we believe about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have access to all three. It's not that you have to work through one or the other to get your message delivered. We believe that you have, we have access to each of these co-equal, co-eternal beings that are a part of God. We experience the love of God the Father. We receive salvation through the work of God the Son, and we are comforted by the presence of God the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the other thing that I want you to know. The Holy Spirit, and I said this just a second ago, didn't just show up in the New Testament after Jesus left. Now, there was the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples in John chapter 17, where he said, hey, it's better for you that I leave because I'm gonna send to you the helper. I'm gonna send to you the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit would be with you and comfort you and teach you and remind you of the truths that I've spoken. And so it's better for you that I leave, which when I read John 17 and I read through that, I cannot fathom how in the world the disciples would listen to that and go, okay, I believe you. Because if I was standing there and Jesus in physical bodily form said to me, hey, it's better for you that I, God in the flesh, stop standing this close to you in physical form so that I can send to you a spirit that will dwell in you and fill you and be around you and be in the earth. And like, you can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can kind of feel the Holy, like it'd be better for you that I leave. I'd be like, you are crazy. Now, I don't know if I'd have said that to Jesus because I'm not sure how that all works, but I, I just think I would have been like, are you sure? But Jesus said, no, no, it's better for you that the Holy Spirit comes to be with you. Now, here's what you need to know, though, what we just started a second ago. That wasn't the first time, then, that the Holy Spirit came to the earth in Acts chapter 2. We see all the way back in Genesis as a part of the creation story that the earth was formless and void. And Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, hovered over that formless, void place that, that was the earth before God created all that was to be created. And so as we, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about the fact that Jesus was saying, hey, it's better that I leave, I think there's two components that we have to understand. If we're going to jump in in just a second to this really specific, really nuanced part of who the Holy Spirit is and, and what the Holy Spirit desires for our lives, I think you have to understand two different aspects about the Holy Spirit. And quickly, I would say it like this. The first aspect of the Holy Spirit is what we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling means that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. I'm not super smart. That makes sense. It's self-identifying, self-defining. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. It's the indwelling. This happens at salvation. What we believe is that as we read through the Bible, there are countless places where when salvation takes place, 
In the New Testament, especially when we're talking about Jesus, either the one who is standing before them or they recognize the work after Jesus is gone and we see through the book of Acts and we see through the, the, the way that salvation is laid out in the, the New Testament letters there through the Apostle Paul and others, we believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that when you are saved, when we say, I want to, if maybe you've used this phrase as an adult or maybe you remember this as a child or in some other component or aspect of your life, you say, I wanna ask Jesus to come into my heart. What you're actually saying is I wanna ask Jesus to do the salvation work, that salvific work of what he completed on the cross and I want the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in my heart. That's what we're praying, that's what we're saying. And so that indwelling is that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he convicts us, he comforts us, he teaches us truth and reminds us of the truth that we know according to who Jesus is and what God has destined for our lives. And the second part that really sets up the rest of our time today is not the indwelling, but what we would call the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now you go, okay, I'm so confused. You're talking about three, and now you're talking about two, and now you're talking. So just keep in mind, if, if you just imagine that when you are saved, when you pray and ask God to be the Lord of your life, the forgiver of your sins, you receive the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life. That is the indwelling. The infilling now is if and this is a terrible illustration. I couldn't come up with a better one because I'm a pretty simple guy. That's almost like if God put an ice cube in you, right? You got this one piece of God in you through the Holy Spirit. He put an ice cube in you, you're saved. The presence of God, it lives in you now. And then you want to be filled with the Spirit of God. He now takes the pitcher of water and pours it into, it's the same substance, the water and the ice cube. He pours that into your heart and into your life to the point of overflowing so that now the indwelling which exists for you to be comforted and convicted and to recognize God at work in you, the infilling flows out of you so that it impacts other people. It spills out of you onto other people. The infilling is this place that we recognize beginning in Acts chapter two. This is what it says in Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, don't freak out on me. What we're talking about here is what we believe to happen on the day of Pentecost. We believe that this happened after Jesus was raised from the dead. He ascended back to the Father. He told them to go and wait in the place where he was going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit so they could be baptized. They could be infilled with, to overflowing, the presence of God and the demonstrations of God's power through their lives. And so it says that the divided tongues of fire came and it rested on each of them. And then the overflowing part of that experience is then not only was God doing something in them, he began to do something through them and they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance. What that means is the spirit imparted to them. The spirit spoke through them. The spirit gave them uh, the, the ability to speak what those, those tongues of fire that rested on them were trying to articulate in the spirit as they prayed there. And then what we understand is that they spilled out of that room. They were filled so much to overflowing. They spilled out of that room onto the streets. And there was a festival there and every nation of the world was represented. And they began to speak in tongues in that moment. And the tongues that they spoke in were their own unlearned languages that declared the gospel to the known languages of the people that were standing in the streets. 
And they said, aren't, aren't all these the same kinds of people? They don't speak our language, and yet all of them are declaring the truths of God in the various languages of the world that happen to be represented here in this moment. It's spilling out of their lives onto us. It's one of the most supernatural moments that we can witness in all of Scripture. And then I'm kind of taken back one chapter before Acts chapter 2. For those of you that are tracking along, that means it was in Acts chapter 1. Right? You got an extra hour of sleep today. I'm really going to need you to get with me here. So Acts chapter 2, just before that, we have Acts chapter 1. And we also see that as Jesus is still talking to the disciples before he ascends back to the Father, this is what he says about the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I was thinking about this this week in preparation of our time together today. And I think that there are some of us who are in a relationship with God. We love God. We worship God. We sing songs. We, we pray. We participate in moments just like this. And unfortunately, we are living powerless lives because we have not invited the Holy Spirit to infill us to the point of overflowing so that that power is demonstrated outside of our own abilities for the things that we would face in this life. Not all of them bad, some of them great. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter three, beginning in verse 16. It says this, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell, the indwelling, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You can't even fathom the love that God has for you, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen ultimately what we just read there in Ephesians chapter 3 is that God's power at work within us reveals his love to all generations if I could sum up who we are as a church and our desire for you and our desire for us corporately, that's it. That God's power would be revealed in and through us so that people would see his love for all generations. That's our heart. That's my heart for you. As I pray about you and for you on a regular basis, I pray that God's power would be at work within you, revealing his love to you, and to all generations. That's really what we're about. 
And so today, I want to help us understand that power a little bit more. I've got a few minutes left, and I want us to take some time unpacking this idea of power that's available to all of us through the Holy Spirit. And to do so, I'm going to do something that I very rarely do. I'm going to use the word power to help us define and understand that power that's available to us and the function of that power. I'm going to use an acrostic here. And when I was younger, I used to think this was a terrible preacher joke. But now I believe it could help us to keep all of these truths together in a way that might help you remember. So I encourage you, use something to write it down. Use your phone. Put this in some place that you can kind of refer back to. I want us to look at the power of the Holy Spirit available to all of us. The first thing that I want us to understand is that it is personal. It is personal. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. We're going to read several verses together. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Look at this. Don't miss this. It is the one and only Spirit Spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. I know when I was growing up in the church, I assumed that spiritual gifts kind of worked like getting a promotion at work. Now, maybe you've never thought that. Maybe this is a brand new idea, and you're going to laugh at how ignorant I was. But I kind of thought you just started at this low-level spiritual encounter with God, and then the more spiritual you became, the more God promoted you into more and more spiritual gifts where he began to do new things in and through you. And while there is some truth in that, what we read right here in 1 Corinthians 12, which is one of those places where the Apostle Paul really helps us to understand so much about the Holy Spirit, that last line said, it is one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts and he alone decides which gift each person should have. It means that it could be that you are a relatively new believer, a new Christian, and yet the Holy Spirit Spirit believes that you need this specific gift or you have this specific gift that he can pour his power onto so that it can be used for the sake of others in a way that would not reap the same benefit if that gift was given to somebody else. It also means that there are some people that have multiple gifts. Don't those people just annoy you, right? (laughs) No, just me. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. No, but there's there's a bunch of people you just kind of look at them and you go, man, I mean, seriously, Like, couldn't a God just held one or two of those and given those over to me, right? There are some people that have multiple gifts, and there's a great responsibility with that. I I recognize that. But yet God, in his sovereignty, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has gifted them for specific purposes of how God desires to use them for the sake of helping each other. That's what we just read. And yet what I believe about you is I believe that every believer, so if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ in the room, I'm not talking to you for the next like 30 seconds, and that's okay. You you hang with us, you, you explore it, you decide what you believe and how you believe it on your own time. This is a safe place for you to do that. But if you are a believer, here's what I believe about you. I believe that every believer 
has access to spiritual gifts. And I believe that God's desire is to equip every believer with spiritual gifts, not so they edify or build up themselves, but so that they can use those gifts to build up others. But sometimes we look at others and we have what I've just described as gift envy. We just look at them and go, man, I wish I was gifted like that. I wish I could do those things. And what we should actually have is gift gratitude. Because gift envy looks at someone else's gifts and desires that we would be gifted in the same way instead of looking at the gifts that we do possess and being grateful that God in his sovereignty, in his great love for us, desired to gift us in a specific way for a specific purpose. And so instead of saying, God, I wish I had their gift, I wish I could do those things, we say, God, thank you for the gifts that you have given me, no matter how small I think they may be, no matter how insignificant I think they may be. God, thank you for giving me these gifts. Now, how can I use these gifts to impact others? And that's how the next one comes to be. The letter O here in power is what I've called oneness. One, the state of being one. Look again at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna keep reading there in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. You ever met anybody that you are convinced they thought their gift to you and everybody else was them running their mouth? Nobody, just me. Okay, all right. I've met a few folks like that. Nobody at our church, other churches. But there are some people that believe their gift to the body is to be the mouthpiece. And yet when I listen to them, I am not convinced that that is God speaking through them. That's just them, right? So here's the deal. If we are to personally receive power from God for specific, unique purposes as God designs and God desires, what is the purpose of those gifts? That your gift and my gift and the gift of the person sitting behind you and the gift of the person across the room would come together to be knit together to to create the body of Christ, not so that we feel good about our individual giftings, but so that we recognize that together we serve an incredible function to be the body of Christ demonstrating to the earth how much God loves them. That is what we've been called to do. But so often what happens is that the power of the Spirit of God is isolated in that we pull our gift into ourselves and we kind of hold on to it and we we close ourselves off and we're like, well, I'm not confident in it or I'm not sure people would believe me if I said, hey, I believe that I've got this gift to help or to serve the body or to serve the church. And so we don't bring that gift together with others. And in doing so, we rob not just ourselves from finding fulfillment and finding our purpose to make a difference in the lives of others. We rob the entire body of Christ because we don't bring to the table what we can contribute. I've used this illustration for years. It's probably terrible. Some of you have way more medical experience than I do. I don't understand all the ligaments that exist in my knee, but I know there's like three really important ones. And so they all have various different letters, but you can't see them. The only way you could see them is to cut into me or if I had some kind of really horrific accident and it was like exposed outside of my body and 
some of you are now awake. Okay, so, so you can't see them on a regular basis. But what you can see is my hands, you can see my ears, you can see my mouth and, and my nose and my eyes. And so you see some visible functions, some visible parts of my body. And yet, if I did not have those ligaments, and some of you know this because you have had issues or you've had an injury with some of those ligaments in your, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to bend my knee and walk in the way that I was created as I walk across this stage. It's that hidden part, that little tiny ligament that serves an incredible purpose that causes me to function in the way that I was created. And yet, if I did not have that, if my body had somehow had that removed, or if that ligament just showed up today and said, I'm not gonna work today, then I would be hobbling around on this stage, not functioning in the way that God created my body to work. And the same is true with you. The same is true with you in that you cannot minimize, even if you feel like you're just a really small, small gifted person, or that you're kind of an invisible gifting. You don't have some of the same gifts of those that are around you. If you limit yourself and you minimize your gifts and you minimize the way that God could use you, you actually do a disservice to the body. That's why we talk about every single week this idea of Canton Life. Canton Life is not just your best next step so you can take another step and kind of get into a class. It is to help you discover your purpose. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is. Maybe you don't know what your giftings are and it's for you to kind of jump into an environment where we can help you discover that purpose so that you can then go and make a difference in the lives of others and join your giftings and join your function to the other functions around us in this place to serve the needs of those that God is sending our way. In this season and in the next for our church, our staff's been talking over the last couple of weeks we need 100 new people to serve. You go, well, I'm, I'm not 100 people. You're right. You're not 100 people. But you're one people who could join together with one other people who could join together with one other people and one other people and one other people. And together you make up 100 people to help fill in the gaps in some places that we need ministry to take place where it's either not currently taking place or it needs to be freshened up or, or added to what, it, what exists now. And so you say, well, I, I don't think I'm that kind of person. You don't know yet. Jump into Canton Life and discover your purpose. The letter W and the word power is witness. We've already talked about Acts chapter one. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And maybe you say, well, I don't feel like I can do that. I don't really know how to do that. Look at this in Acts chapter four, verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The power of the Holy Spirit in and through your life creates a confidence and a boldness that helps you to declare what God is desiring you to declare. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. Before Acts chapter one, verse eight, and before Acts chapter two, you know what was taking place? People were telling other people about Jesus. Witnessing can happen outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there are people who aren't even saved who are declaring the truths about God. I believe that there are people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit who are declaring the truths about God. And yet, Jesus, in his sovereignty on earth, representing God the Father and his great love towards us, 
said, there is something I want to add to your ability to witness and to share the truths of who God is and the truths of what I am and the truths of what I've done for you. And so my desire for you is that you would receive the Holy Spirit to receive power that just kind of supercharges your ability to declare the truths of God. It's no longer you trying to figure out what to say. It's the boldness that comes from the power of God that fills you to overflowing and spills out of you so that people go, there is something about you that I need to know about. Witness, witness. Letter E, experience. The power of the Holy Spirit, the letter E here is experience. First Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 18. We'll skip around, I'll tell you when we're gonna do that. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Skipping to verse 22. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying. Listen to this. They are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Look at this. This is so powerful. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. God is really among you. I've said pretty often here, I said it last week actually, that my desire is not that you would come to this place to hear me. My desire is not that you would come and hear our worship team or even sing some songs along with them. My heart's desire is that when you leave this place, you will have experienced the presence and the power of God so that you know that when you leave this place, you carry a real living God with you. Sometimes we only equate the gifts of the Spirit with, with personal prayer or a personal moment, and it can be. But I believe that it's also meant to be experienced by the whole church body when we come together and we encourage one another. And yes, you share your gifts and your faith, and they point people to the work of God in your life, and that helps them see that the possibility of him doing a work of God in their life. But I believe it's meant to be experienced. It's not something you should be afraid of. That the power of the Holy Spirit is meant to be experienced in the fullness of God so that when you leave this place, you carry with you a confidence like we just read about, a boldness that you carry the presence of God, the Spirit of God with you wherever you go. The last letter, R. This is why all that's important. The letter R is rebirth. Rebirth. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And God, having demonstrated his power to use that Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead, will raise your mortal bodies from the death that you experience. Now here's what I don't know. I've prayed for you. I know some of you. I know some of your stories. But I don't know all your story. And I don't know those secret places of your heart and your life. I don't know what things feel dead right now. I don't know. I don't know what places of your life, spiritual, physical, emotional, 
I don't know, your relationships, your marriage, your kids. I, I don't know. Your future, your dreams, your hopes to be married, to have kids, to have some type of future. Maybe it feels like those things are dead. Maybe there's an addictive behavior in your life that's breeding death inside of you or in some of those relationships. And what I believe is that the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that lives inside of us, the Spirit that dwells within us at salvation but can fill us to overflowing at that moment of receiving the power of God and the demonstration of that power in and through us, that that power can actually bring life from something that was dead. That's what I believe. I've said it a ton of times, so I'm being a little bit repetitive today. But Easter is not a one-time event. What we celebrate on Easter is the risen Christ. And what we're reading right here is that Romans chapter eight tells us that the raising of Christ from the dead means that whatever death exists in and around you can be raised back to life. It's not the end of the story until God says it's the end of the story. And so yes, some relationships need to die. Some habits and patterns and things need to die for sure. God allowed those things to happen, but there were also moments when he stepped into situations of death and he raised them back to life. And perhaps that's what you need today. You need freedom from addiction. You need life from death. And there is a power available to you. I was thinking about some of the appliances at my house, some of the electronics at my house. They have a function. They have something that they can do. They were created for a purpose. And yet if I don't plug that appliance in, if I don't plug it in, it cannot operate to its full effectiveness. I'm just walking around holding something that's not operating in the way that it was created because I haven't plugged it into the power source. And that's my prayer for you today. My prayer and my hope, my desire for you today is that you plug into the power that's available to you through the Holy Spirit of God. Because up to this point, you know what I believe about some of you and I know some of this about your stories and there are others of you that have this same kind of story. You've been walking around trying to get free on your own. But there's a power that brings freedom. Some of you have been walking around trying to reconcile brokenness on your own, but there's a power of God that's available to you to reconcile brokenness in his strength and not in your own. You're walking around like an appliance that's not plugged in. You say, God, I wanna plug myself in to receive the power of God that's available to me through the spirit of God. And when I do, would you help me to operate to my full effectiveness? to see your power demonstrated in me in ways that I cannot produce on my own. So I've got a question today. Closing question, closing thought for you just to kind of ponder as you walk out of this place in just a moment after we pray and we sing one more song, we give. This is the question for everybody in the room. This question today I think should haunt some of us. Have you been trying, have I been trying to live life or make behavior changes by my own power and not through the power of the Holy Spirit? Have I been trying to live my life or make behavior changes by my own power and not through the power of the Holy Spirit? If so, it's really simple. I believe the fix is this. You just say, God, I want the power. I want the Holy Spirit. 
I want not just the indwelling of the Spirit. If you've never been saved, you're not in a relationship with God, that's where you start. I want the Holy Spirit of God to dwell inside of me. But God, I want the filling of the Holy Spirit to to overflowing so that the power of God is demonstrated through my life. So the behavior modification and life choices and the things that I was created to do can be accomplished through your power and not my own. I want you to bow your head right where you're at. Close your eyes just for a moment with nobody looking around. I wanna pray for you today before we transition to something else and then dismiss. If you would say to me today with nobody looking around, Jeremy, for me, I need to enter into a relationship with God. I need the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in my heart. I need the presence of God to be accessible in my life. And I wanna ask him to forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Put it right where you're at. Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I want the infilling. I want to be filled to overflowing with the power of God's Holy Spirit. And through that infilling, I want to receive gifts of the Spirit. I want to be able to be used in supernatural ways outside of my own ability. But I also want to trust God for His power to bring the necessary change in my life, to to maybe bring life where things are dead or to bring change where change is needed, to reconcile where things are broken. I wanna be filled with the Spirit of God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, I pray now for every person that's lifted their hands. I ask you now to dwell in the hearts of those who have asked you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I believe that you do that in an instant. You respond quicker than they even lifted their hand today to acknowledge their need for you. And so God, we ask you to do supernaturally what we cannot do, save and forgive of sins. God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted today to ask for the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that you can do it. I believe you desire to do it. I believe you desire to give good gifts so that we can help proclaim the truth of your word and who you are to the earth. And so God, today, I pray that you would bring to life those things which are dead. I pray that God, you would allow us to lean into your power and the power of the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated in and through us for your sacred purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.